Are you ready to hear the word? You're in for a very special treat today. Our own Jeff Ferris will be bringing the word. He's been a member here for 27 years, 26 and a half years. Him and his wife, Sean, have pastored our youth for years, and they continue to minister in kids' church and bring the word in their neighborhood and community. He's a former CEO of the PDX Corporation. Jeff Ferris, come right on, brother. I'm blessed to be able to share uh, my testimony of the last 26 and a half years. Uh, I find it amazing, and uh, it gives me a great opportunity to glorify God for everything he's done in my life and the people he's put in my life, and that's the reason why I want to share it. Speaking of testimony, I'm reminded of a, of a story about a trial in a small town in, in the southern part of the U.S., and the prosecuting attorney calls this old grandmother to the, to the stand. And she's seated, and he asked her, do you know who I am? And she said, yes, I know who you are. You're a worthless scoundrel. I'm disappointed in how you've lived your life. I've known your whole life. You're a cheat, and on top of that, you cheat on your wife. And he was just taken back, right? So he couldn't, didn't know what to say, so he points to the defense attorney and says, uh, do you know who he is? He said, oh, yes, I know who he is. He's a cheat and scoundrel, too. He's lazy. I wouldn't trust him for anything. In fact, he's had three girlfriends with his wife, and one of them was your wife. And the judge just <laughs> pounds on, on the bench and calls the, the attorneys forward, and he leans over in a quiet voice and says, if you want to be ask her who I am, I'm going to sentence you to the electric chair. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and the power and truth to send it. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here. Father, I pray anything that I may speak that is not from you, that it will fall to the ground and die. But if anything I speak of you is truth, I pray it will take root in the ears and hearts of those who have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I launch into my testimony, it's 26 and a half years long, and in that testimony, I'm going to talk about who he is, who God is to me, who God was to me over this 26 and a half years. And it's important for you to understand that I'm not perfect by a long shot. And uh, people that have worked with me over those 26 and a half years or played golf with me over those 26 and a half years know that I have my moments. But uh, I do try to have foundational things that I base my life on and look to. And I want to talk about those, but I don't want to lose sight of what I want to share with you today is who God is to me, how he manifested himself in my life over those 26 and a half years. He was a way maker, he was a miracle worker, he was a promise keeper, and he was a light in the darkness. And I think he can be that for anyone that's willing to listen and let him work in your life. These foundational truths, there are six of them. Uh, there's nothing special about them. and uh, They came from the Bible, so that makes them special. But I encourage everybody to have some foundational truth that in a moment of despair, weakness, questions, concerns, you can just call that up, right? It's there to remind you. So one of my foundational truths is God's word is true. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, as it says here, and it's there to instruct us, to correct us, and to guide us. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The second one is God has chosen me. I believe that. I believe I'm special. And if you're a believer of Christ and a follower of him, you're doing yourself a disservice and dishonoring Christ if you don't believe you're special too. He chose you just like he chose me. In Ephesians it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In his love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. I'm a 
child of God. That makes me special. And God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And one of the things I'll talk about today is, what is God's plan for your life? Are you seeking God's will in everything that you do? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for his good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then in Jeremiah, which I love this verse, and I seem to somehow always use it every time I speak, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I keep that in front of me all the time. Whenever I'm in despair, I think about, no, he's got a plan for my life. And what is that plan? That plan is for me to prosper. I believe the Holy Spirit is alive and living in me. So when I go about my daily life, it's good to know that not only am I a child of God, but the scripture says that I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. He gives me peace. He gives me comfort. He gives me knowledge and wisdom. Second Timothy says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I remind myself all the time, I have that. I have that in me. And if you're a believer, you have that in you too. Don't lose sight of that. And tithing. I remind myself all the time how grateful I am to the Lord. Everything that I have that's good, everything I have has come from him. And it's with a grateful heart that I'm excited to return to him. Just a portion of what I believe his, his word asks us to do. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And then in Malachi 3.10, the last one, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord. Test me, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And then finally, trust him. I know that I can trust God in any circumstance, regardless of what's going on in my life, because his word is true, because he's chosen me, because he has a plan for my life, that I can trust him. And Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So I talked about giving a testimony. You know how powerful a testimony is? Revelation 12, 11 tells us how powerful it is. It says, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, Christ, and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. That is how powerful our testimony is. And that's why I'm excited to share with you what my testimony is. Now, some of you may be thinking, hmm, I don't have a testimony. Well, everybody has a testimony. If you live a, live a negative life and go about woe is me all the time, then your testimony is life is hard and then you die. But if you live a life of fulfillment and following Christ, then I promise you he's given you a testimony. So if you don't have, you don't know what that testimony is, maybe through what I'm sharing with my testimony today, you'll like, oh, yeah. So that time that thing happened to me, that was God. Or that time that thing didn't happen to me, that was God. That's a testimony, okay? So I want to talk about a door being opened up for you. And I'll start back 26 and a half years ago. We were living in San Antonio, Texas. I was working for my uncle and his business. I'd taken a job with him because I had a good job in Nashville, but I was flying every week. I leave on Monday, come back on Friday. That, wasn't the, that was not the deal when I took the job. But that's what it turned out to be. It's a great company, great opportunity for advancement, but having two little girls at home, it didn't lend itself to a good family upbringing of our, our, our kids. So uh, I received a call from my uncle offering me a job to come to work for him in San Antonio. He had started this business. He didn't have any children. Hey, we'll build it. It'll be all yours. 
So up we go. We go to San Antonio. And uh, thank goodness God placed us in a neighborhood next door to some real godly, a real godly family. And they invited us to church. And we went. And it was really my first exposure, our first exposure, to go into a, quote, faith-based church. I mean, I was raised in a church. I had an understanding of who God was, but the understanding was pretty much it's the God that sits on the throne and judges us, and uh, we, need to, we need to be good or else, right? That was kind of my understanding of God. Then we entered this faith-based church, and they have a different perspective of who God is. He's our Father. He loves us. He wants the best for us. He's there for us at all times. And then we begin to understand about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we grew so much spiritually in this church. It was such a blessing to be there. And it's the kind of church where uh, you felt like you were a family, a lot like this church. And it was a church where everybody came forward for prayer all the time. Uh, I grew up in a denomination where someone went forward for prayer is either baptism they were terminally ill, or they committed adultery, or they were going to jail. I mean, it was, it was only the bad, bad stuff, right? You went forward for prayer. And this, this, this church, you went forward for prayer for everything. My dog is sick. I need a job. I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. I, whatever, whatever it was, you went forward for prayer. So Sean and I prayed. It's like, you know, this job that I thought was going to be so much better than Nashville and flying everywhere, all I did was change trade in my plane ticket for a set of car keys. So I was driving all over the southwestern part of the United States. So I still wasn't home as much as I wanted to be. And so, it was, well, let's, uh, let's, let's, I'll go forward for prayer. So I'll go forward for prayer, and as I stand to go forward for prayer, this woman uh, scribbles something on a piece of paper and hands it to me and says, this is from the Lord. I'm like, okay, thank you. Put it in my pocket. Go forward, tell the pastor what my concerns are. And he says, okay, well, Let's just, let's just pray. And he prayed. He just had conversations with God. It was the greatest way to pray I'd ever seen. He just, hey, God, what's up? Uh, so he said, he said, you heard what Jeff had to say, so what do you got for us? So we're standing there, and he's looking up toward the heavens, and I'm thinking, this is so weird. And he says, well, I think God's going to do something new, something he's never done before. Are you thinking about doing something new? No. Mm-mm. He said, and he's going to do it right away. Oh, okay. And he's seen your faithfulness. He's going to open a door that no man can shut. So I go back, and I'll admit, Sean was way ahead in her faith walk, uh, way ahead of me. So I go back, and what do you say? I don't know. Happening soon, something new, and an open door. So we go home, and I empty out my pockets, and here's this wadded-up piece of paper. So I unroll it, and it has Revelations 3.6 written on it. So I get my Bible, and I go to it, and it says, I know the things you do. I've opened a door for you that no one can close. I'm like, whoa, this space stuff, this is really cool, right? So I told Sean, well, she's all excited. I go to work the next day, and I unfold my phone, and it rings just like that. And it was a man in Fort Worth, Texas, offering me a job. And I'm like, okay, box number two, check. Because I said, what kind of job is it? He said, I need to, I'm doing something new, something I've never done before. This is exactly what he said. And uh, so he is growing his business. He had these three big projects that really counted on his business succeeding. And he needed someone to help oversee them. And could I do that? I'm like, absolutely, I can do that. I said, when do you need somebody? He says, right away. If you could come today, it wouldn't be too soon. Like, check box number three. Off we go. So we chatted a little bit, and I said, well, can you tell me a little bit about the salary? And he told me, and it was so much less than what I was making. I just, I just dismissed it, like, okay, whatever. And then I did the holy thing, like, well, I'll pray with my wife and get back to you. So uh, I, I just dismissed the whole thing. I go home, and we're talking. How was your day? And they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so called me. Really, what did he say? Well, he's offering me a job. What? He offered you a job? When? Right now. He wants me to come right now. It's like, praise Jesus. When are we going? I'm like, we're not going for that little amount of money. You're crazy. And uh, so she was quiet for a little bit. And then like most women do, she just has her way. And she says, well, are we going to live by faith or not? So 
Off, yeah. So, what do we do? I go in the next day and I call this guy back and ask him a bunch of questions. He made it as hard for me as he could. Everything, like, you help with moving expenses? No. You help with temporary housing? No. Everything was no, 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 no. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go home and tell Sean, well, look, I thought about it further and we're not going to do it. So I'll go in and tell my uncle, hey, I'm resigning and he's unhappy and the business is growing. He said, this is all going to be yours. And I said, I understand that, but, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And he said, well, I'll, I'll match what they're going to pay you. <laughs> I said, well, if you do that, you're going to have to cut my pay. And he literally said, you are a fool. And just real side note, about two years later, he was bankrupt. So, you know, God has ways of protecting us, right? So, off we go. Uh, so, mints were good. Let me talk you up to this point. So, we moved to Granbury. The first church we visited is what then Shady Grove Church, which is now Generations Church. That's our church. We were there, and we found a church. I got this God-given job. Everything was couldn't be better. I go to work. First day, the owner meets with me for about three hours and then tells me he's leaving the country for three or four weeks. I know nobody. He shows me to my little cubicle, and I have no title, making less pay. And so I, he had charged me with you need, while I'm gone, find out what's going on with these projects and then give me a report when I come back. So I do. I start going around introducing myself to people. And talk to the senior executives, and they want nothing to do with me. I'm a spy. If he wants to know what's going on, he can ask me himself. And this went on for day after day after day, and I'd go home and tell Sean, it's like, this is, this is crazy. We've missed God. But I continued to, you know, I always believe you take a man's money, you're going to give him your honest, honest efforts. So I'm taking his money. So I just started going in early and meeting the worker bees. And I'd stay late and meet the worker bees. And, you know, before long, I knew exactly what was going on. So I type up my little two-page report and put it in an envelope and slip it under his door. And when he comes back, uh, he finds the envelope. And I'm sitting in my cubicle. And he comes in. He said, hey, I need to come to this meeting with me. So I go into the meeting, and here's all his senior executives around this big table. So he gives a report on his trip. And he goes around the table and he starts asking them, uh, how are things going? Tell me what's going on. So they each give their report. And I'm sitting way in the back of the room. And in a minute, he says, well, he pulls out this envelope, pulls out my report and says, that's not what Jeff says. <laughs> so anyway, uh, their concerns were validated. The spy has been exposed. And thus it proceeded for the worst Worst, worst time ever uh, in my life going through that. At least at that time, it was the worst time ever. But, um, you know, uh, God has a way of making, making a way for us. I think he was my way maker when he gave me this, this job that I moved to take. And sometimes when someone means something for evil, it can be turned into good. And these were good, honorable men that I'm talking about didn't want anything to do with me. They just, they didn't know who I was. They didn't trust me. And they were more than happy to see me fail. But I was reminded of the story of Joseph where it says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present results. I have printed on my desk, or I did have, I cleaned out my office, I, I have different things that I keep in front of me all the time. It's not unusual, I see people do that. So I have three, three of the articles I have printed out that I look at. I don't remember where I got them, I probably got them from Alan and his teachings through the years. But one of them uh, is called, it's uh, an article by John Waller. And uh, so in the article, it talks about Joseph, and he talks about how God meant it for good. 
Um, you know the story of Joseph. Joseph's life was anything but peaceful, right? He's sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He's then he's thrown into prison for false charges. Yet he remained absent of bitterness and no regret. He continued to worship and serve God when he was in prison. And the story builds to a final confrontation where Joseph is now like what would be considered the vice president of the United States. He is second in command under Pharaoh. And his brothers come before him. And that's when he tells them what you meant for evil, God has turned into good. And of course, we know the story through that was really how Israel was saved, right? Um, so, and that's how they came to Egypt. So what is, when it says God meant it for good, it means that you can accept the past. The past is behind you. No action, nothing you've said, nothing in your past can affect you if you're a Christian because the blood of Christ has covered that. That's behind you. There's no need for you to look backwards. You need to walk forward. Say that with me. Walk forward. And then you can embrace the presence. There's no need to play the what-if game. The past is gone. Say that with me. The past is gone. The past is gone. The future is in God's omnipotent hand, so focus on the present. And you can look expectantly toward the future. God has a plan for your life. He's laid it out for you. All you have to do is seek his will, and his will will be done in you. Say this with me. The way maker will make a way. The way maker will make a way. So a few years pass, and um, the company's grown from 50 employees to 250. We've become like a David among Goliaths in our industry. We're growing really fast. We have a great reputation and uh, just have a lot going on. So the CEO of the company, owner of the company, decides he needs some outside help. So he brings in this senior executive to be our CIO. And the immediate results were fantastic. I mean, our revenue went up. Our expenses went down. The bottom line was the best it had ever been. But the problem was the guy was lacked integrity. He was a bully. Uh, he was a manipulator. And it became a living hell working for him. And I lost my religion more than once in encounters with him. And I came home at some point and told Sean, I'm done. I quit. And to which she replied, hmm, so you still believe God gave you this job? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay, so you've heard from him that the door's shut and you are, it's time to go. So I just left and went back to work the next day. Continued to go back to work the next day for 23 more years. But one of the things that uh, sustained me through it was a second document that I have printed out and on my desk. And it's called Anyway. So I kept this in front of me, and I would read it almost every day. So I want you to read it with me. And when you see it highlighted in Anyway, I want you to say that with me, Anyway. Okay. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish or ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone may try to destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find sincerity and happiness, they may be Jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world your best, and it may never be enough. Give the world your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. So I kept this in front of me all the time. And in dealing with this one individual, I learned to pray for him. Uh, but part of my prayer always ended with, 
Lord, changing or removing? That's a powerful prayer, by the way. I've prayed it a number of times. And when God answers it, uh, often that person gets removed. In fact, I've shared this with somebody one time, and he said, you have to promise me you'll never pray that prayer about me. <laughs> I just said, well, you better be on your good behavior. Uh, so anyway, anyway, once I embraced that message, uh, for the next six months, Life was tolerable, right? But uh, it's funny how God works things out. The owner called me in and said, hey, I just fired our CIO, and I'm promoting you to CIO. Well, he could have knocked me over. I didn't have the background, the talent, the understanding to be a CIO, but okay, I'm a CIO. Oh, and he's giving me CIO money, so hey, <laughs> works for me, right? So I was kind of reminded, I was reminded of the parable of the talents. And if you remember in that parable of the talents, it ends with to the guy who actually served and took care of the owner's talents. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. A couple of management tips I want to give you. One is, if you're a manager and you have an employee that is underperforming, do not make the mistake I've made a number of times when they say, I'm underperforming because I'm not showering. You ever heard that? So I would respond with, okay, well, let's, let's give them, let's challenge them, let's, let's promote them, let's give them more responsibility. And it never worked. Because it wasn't that they weren't challenged. It was a character issue. They lacked character. So don't fall for that. When you give somebody something to do in a workplace, if they don't do whatever you do wholeheartedly and try and perceive excellence, that is a character issue, and you recognize that. If you are an employee and you're one of those employees that moan and groan, and you're not appreciated, and nobody cares for me, and look at so-and-so over there. Well, you need to stop that. If God has a plan for your life, you should honor the person that you work for and do what he's asked you to do to the fullest of your ability. And he will honor that if you honor him. And he may, he will, he'll open a door for you. It may not even be at that place, but he'll open a door for you somewhere. So don't job hop. Just search God's will for your life. He gives you a job. Do that job. And he'll open a door for you somewhere, either there or somewhere else. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Clearly that was a dark time in my life. And God came into that darkness and shined a light. And after the CIO left, it was like a whole different place to work. It was a whole different way of going about doing my business. And that's because God was my life. I want you to declare that with me. The Lord is my life. So look at me. I, I don't know what kind of darkness you may be going through. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's financial issue. Maybe it's uh, issues with your kids. Who, who knows what darkness may be part of your life or that you're walking through? But know this, that the first words recorded in the Bible were, let there be light, and there was light. There's no darkness that you're in that God can't bring light into. Can I get an amen? So years passed, and I began to still have favor at my job. Our company grew and grew, and I was promoted to president, and then through a series of other circumstances, I became the CEO of the company. And it was an honor to be in that position, and the money wasn't bad either, 
uh, I think back to like, why should I take this job so so much little money? Uh, you know, just trust God. All I can tell you, trust Him and walk. Keep walking. So, but one of the things that really sustained me and helped me move forward in my job was this church. Uh, when they asked us to be uh, youth pastors, we had no clue as to what we were doing. But the church sustained us, they supported us, and we just began to trust God, trust God. I had this, all this responsibility at work. I'd be coming to a Wednesday night service, and I was supposed to teach, and I had nothing. I didn't have anything. And every time, by the time I got up in front of the kids, I had something. And it was a powerful experience in our, in our church and in our youth group during that period of time. And I learned so much that I could apply to my work through that, through that experience. So it's different. So anyway, I want to just briefly touch on this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom should I be afraid? He's still talking about God being our light. We should not be afraid. Say this with me. Who should I be afraid of? And turn to the person next to you and say, nobody. So it's difficult to me. I, I, I talk about this every chance I get because I believe in the power of tithing. Uh, I think it reveals a person's heart, their willingness to tithe, their willingness to be thankful for what they have and to give back to the Lord just a portion of what he's blessed you with. So we believe in it. We tithe. We always have. And I, I know there's lots of reasons why we've experienced so many great things in our life. Uh, a lot of them those foundational principles, but a lot of it has to do with us being faithful tithers. I know God recognizes that, and he's blessed us. Uh, we follow the ministry of Gateway Church a lot, and I've spoken this before, but um, one of the best teachings I've ever heard is by Robert Morris, and it's called The Blessed Life. I've given away hundreds of these books. So I have two more here that I'll give away. Anybody that wants to come up and get it at any point, you can. Last time I did that, some people waited to the end and they were gone. I had an altar filled with them and they were all gone. It's like, I didn't get one. So there's two there for you to take. They're free. So so over, over a number of years, our company grew. We had over 600, have over 600 employees, have workforces in two different countries, in India and the Philippines. And we had over 10,000 retail pharmacy customers. I didn't say what this company does, but uh, PDX develops software for retail pharmacy. So if you get a prescription from a doctor or if he sends one to the pharmacy, everything from the time the, the prescription lands there to the time they hand it to you with the instructions, that's what our software does. And then there's all these services that surround it too. So we had, at our highest point, we had about 10,000 pharmacies that used our software and very, very recognizable names. Uh, we were very recognized in the industry. When we went anywhere and there was an issue, people would say, well, what does PDX say about it? I mean, it was, it was a, it's hard not to be prideful because of the standing that we had in the industry. But um, things changed. So within a four-year period of time, we lost 50% of our business almost. Uh, the economy turned down downturns, um, the regulations for the insurance companies became very onerous and still are for retail pharmacies, so the profit margins they make on pharmacies are very low. Um, and a lot of our customers were and still are not just a pharmacy chain like a Walgreens or a Walmart. They're a 
mass merchandiser like a Costco or they're a grocery store chain that has a pharmacy inside of it. It's a small part of their business. So some of them just decided, you know, we don't make enough money on pharmacy. We're done. Target was one of our accounts, and they sold their pharmacy business to CVS. And, of course, CVS has their own pharmacy system. So just like that, overnight, we lost our largest customer. And then this one went out of business. Just the whole business declared bankruptcy. I mean, it's just like a nightmare. And I kept praying to God, what is, where are you at? Where are you, God? Uh, and so he, he reminded me that of all the promises that he had made to me. And um, so I would think often about this scripture, he is faithful. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. He is faithful that promise. You know how many promises there are in the Bible? Anybody want to guess how many promises are in the Bible? You know, because we proofread my slides. Oh, you taught on it. Did you teach on this last time? Gosh, I'm repeating it. Okay, it's all right. Okay. So here's a, a guy did a study. It took him a year and a half to do it. It's a long time ago that he did it. And, and I haven't fact-checked this, okay, but it, I, I believe there's truth in it. It says, promises in the Bible, God to man, 7,487 promises. God the Father to God the Son promises, a total of 8,810 promises in the Bible. Promise or derivative of, it, derivative of that is used 214 times. God's word is true. He can be trusted. He's faithful. He is a promise keeper. So look at all those promises that are in the Bible that we can stand on. The, the guy who uh, did this study and put this together. He's also the one who wrote this song, Standing on the Promises. Remember that song? Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. We can stand on the promises of God. Can I get an Amen. Let me say, let me hear you say, I'm still standing. All right. So, in response to losing so many of our customers, we came up with a new business model. Uh, it sustained our revenue, uh, but it, it, it was much more costly. So, it cost us a whole lot more to do business than it did before. It, it did have a way of making us sticky with our customers that we had. So to this day, it's almost impossible for them to leave us. But uh, it, it was a difficult it was a difficult situation to be in. Um, I have a CFO, or had a CFO, just a brilliant guy, and he could forecast like nobody I've ever seen. Now forecasts are only as good as the circumstances are at the time you come up with this is what our revenue is going to be, this is what our expenses are going to be. But he could get within a couple of hundred thousand dollars of a huge number. So going into the first part of 2019, his forecast was that by the middle of June or early June of this year, we were in a very difficult financial situation. It was like being on a track with a train headed toward you. Oh, it's not playing. Well, it goes like this. Here it comes. The train is headed down the track and we're right in front of it, and we had better come up with something. Well, the, we had some ideas. I mean, it's a privately held company, so, I mean, it's not like we did whatever we wanted. So the options that were available to us, we pursued, and it was to no avail. So when it came the middle of 
2019 of last year, uh, the owner agreed for us to find a buyer for the company. So I was charged with doing that. I mean, it wasn't just me, but I was supposed to lead that. So we, we did. We went out, we searched the market, and we found two buyers. One was our major competitor, and the other one wasn't a major competitor. So there were two driving principles behind who we wanted to choose. One was how much would they pay, and the other was which one would offer the most sustainability of jobs. So, uh, employees were the important thing. We wanted to preserve as many of their jobs as we could. So we ultimately decided to sell to a company that we ironically had started in 2001 and they were very successful. We sold our part of it and they've continued to grow. So that was the company that we selected to buy us. So off we went. The negotiations started in September and we're moving forward. We're moving forward. It was the most stressful time in my life, period. Um, I, I wouldn't wish, well, I'd only wish that on my worst enemy, for them to have to go through something like that. Uh, I'd like to say I'm a man of faith and I don't have any worries and God's got it in control but I couldn't sleep at night. I just worried, here's a train that's coming June the 1st, or, or first part of June, and if something doesn't happen, what are we gonna do? But there, I was sustained by my family and their prayers, my wife, support, and our president, who office right next to me is a real strong Christian, and then our lead attorney is a real strong Christian. So the three of us would pray often together and just encourage each other. Just like, remember, God honors his promises. We're standing on the promises. We're standing on the promises. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. And then there's one other person that I, I mean, I had friends, Gary, and others that were always there for me. But there's one other person that really sustained me through it. And when I was practicing this, and I got to this point, I got so emotional, so I'm probably going to do it again, and I'm not sure why. But... Uh, it was Greg Carroll. I can't thank you enough. He had been through this before, and he told me, this is what's going to happen. Get ready. This is going to happen. <clears throat> and I would say, what do I do when that happens? Well, this is what I did. And he sustained me through that. Uh, his text messages at all hours his phone calls. So that backdrop gets us to around February. Again, the train is coming, first part of June. We've got to get this deal done. Now, I'll say right now that at some point we came to an understanding that, hey, God can be trusted. He's bigger than any train. So if the train hits us, then... He's got a plan for us, but that wasn't our preference because we could think of all the bad things that would happen to a lot of people if that train hit us. So two worst possible things that could happen happened. One is the company that was buying us that we were negotiating with got bought. So now seven months into this negotiation with only about three months left to get this thing done, they're bought, and I'm on the call on the phone with the senior executives of this big company, 16,000 employees. We're just one of numbers of companies that they had bought, and the negotiations pretty much are starting over again. And it began as 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 Greg said, "Hey, they're gonna they're gonna try to knock the price down. They're gonna do this. They're gonna do that." This is a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker, and it was. It was just unbelievable. And But we continued to walk by faith, and I continued to stand on those foundational principles. And so it gets right down to the date that we're supposed to close on the sale. It's June the 1st. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, June the 1st, 
I get a call from our attorney. He wakes me up. He says, hey, they found a deal breaker, and they want to drop the price this much. And, I mean, we're days away from the thing, right? But after uttering a few words, which I've since repented for, um, I said, tell them the deal's off. Tell them if, if that's what they're going to do, that the deal is off. And I had peace about it. So I just turned over and went back to sleep. So I got up the next morning and get dressed because the closing is supposed to be at 8.30 in the morning, maybe, since I told them the deal was off if they didn't come back to the original price. So I'm driving to work, and do you think this will work? No? So I'm driving to work, and it's funny. God has a sense of humor, right? Well, guess what? I get to Crescent, and what is there? train in the history of mankind. I'm the lead truck sitting there. Probably not the longest train in the history of mankind, but it was the longest one I've ever sit through. So anyway, I get to work and uh, go in the conference room to owner, president, CFO, our attorneys. We're around the table. I hadn't said nothing to any of them about the phone call. Nothing. So they start the call, and in 10 minutes, it's over. And in 10 minutes, in 10 minutes, they agreed to buy our company for $208 million. Now, before some of you come up here and ask for a loan, <laughs> let me tell you, it was a privately held company, and the family owned 99% of the stock or something like that. So... Uh, but the important thing to focus on was that while not everybody got to keep their jobs, it was a great, great opportunity for the employees that were able to hold on to their jobs. And I was so thankful of God's faithfulness of standing on his promises. He just revealed to me in so many ways how faithful he is. Through this whole walk, he continually revealed himself to me as being a way maker, a promise keeper, a miracle worker, a light in the darkness. And even though this chapter in my life is closing, he's still going to be all those things to me. I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. I told you who he is to me. I've gone over that in this lesson. But who is he to you? Who is God to you. I told you I had three different things in my uh, on my desk that I was sharing with you. I still have one more to share, and I want to do that now. And I actually have made a number of copies out there and, uh, on the little circular table when you leave. There's a number of copies of each one of them. So if that speaks to you and you're like, man, I want to take that and put it on my desk, I want to pin that up on my wall. <coughs> Feel free to do that, and if there's not enough copies, we can make some more. But the thing that I had on my desk is called an autobiography in five short chapters. And what I've seen happen in my life is, you know, I make the same mistake over and over sometimes. I'm, I'm a little slow. If some of you know me well, you know I am. But... Uh, this autobiography in five short chapters, I think, is a, I want to share it with you. It says, chapter one, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It's not my fault. It takes forever for me to get out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in it again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it's not my fault. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there, and I still fall in it. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It's, it's my fault, and I immediately get out. Chapter 4, 
I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. So, if you haven't seen the manifestations of God in your life that I've talked about and that's in this song that Josh is going to lead us in a little bit, uh, maybe you need to walk down a different street. Maybe you need to turn your life over to God. You may be guilty of doing what I've done so many times in my life, which is, this is my plan, now God, you bless it. As opposed to, God, what, what would you like for me to do? One thing I skipped over, and I'm going to go back and touch on it. When we were in Nashville, and my uncle called and offered me a job, and I took it. I didn't turn it down. Okay, yeah, sure. So two weeks after I took that told my uncle I'd go to work for him. The brother of the owner of the company I eventually went to work for, he called me and said, hey, my brother started this company. It's growing like crazy. He needs some good people. I want you to come to work for us. And I've often wondered if I'd have more than a 26 and a half year testimony to tell about working at PDX, if I'd actually prayed about what my uncle offered me a job, if I'd have said, mm, you know, I don't feel peace about it. And instead, two weeks later, I would end up going to work for this guy two years sooner than I did. But how many of us know that even when we make mistakes, that doesn't mean that God can't rescue us from us, right? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's no train that's too big that he can't rescue you from us. So uh, next Thursday, October 1st, is my last day on the job. Uh, I've prayed about it. The, the door is shut. I'm excited about uh, what God's going to have for me. I, I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but it's a walk of faith. So if I come to mind and pray for me, I'd appreciate your prayers. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do in the meantime? Maybe you're like Joseph. Psalm 105 says, till the word came to pass, it tested him word of the Lord, the promise of God, tested Joseph. Maybe you're being tested now. Give your life to the Lord daily. Every day. Well, I did when I was little. No, it's a daily thing. Daily we deny ourselves, take up our cross. Give your life to the Lord daily. Put your trust in Him daily. Cast all your cares on Him and do what He tells you to do. And be faithful because faith without works is dead. So stop sitting by the mailbox waiting on the miracle check. Go put in some applications, amen? God bless you. Go get them, tigers. In Jesus' name.